Hello and welcome to the House of Rams podcast. We're using this format as a quick and easy way to find out what's going on at the club and hear direct from those running the show for us. We hope you enjoy this instalment. This podcast was recorded on Sunday the 28th of February 2021 while we're in lockdown and the club is shut. Today we are joined by James Lewis who returned to Harlow as a player last year and has recently been appointed as our forwards coach. Welcome along Bean. How are you doing today? Yeah, not too bad. Thank you. How are you? Not too bad, thank you. Not too bad. Now, I mean, first off, I just said Bean is your your, your nickname there. And uh, how did you come to get the na- nickname Bean? And uh, uh, is it okay to call you Bean as we go through? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's quite funny, actually. It's, it's followed me around for a few different clubs and university and Oh, it absolutely followed me to university that all of my university friends still call me Bean, um, you know, 10 years, oh, well, nine years after university and they didn't even know the origins of it. So um, I think as, a, as I've slightly alluded to, um, the, the, the origin is not as cool as it may sound. And there's <laughs> lots of different rumours and people have asked me this throughout the years and I've used it as a bit of a, of a ploy and a tactic just to keep conversation going. I've talked about the boxer Butterbean and uh, and his ability for that sort of one punch knockout and that kind of thing but unfortunately the the reality is sometimes or more often than not not as exciting as <laughs> lie is it um so in terms of origin very very simple um back in oh when was it no 2005 when I first started playing down at the club being our sweet, innocent young selves at 14, 15 years old, we were trying to form a team. I think we had 11 or 13 players maximum at the time. <laughs> it was a newly formed uh, under-15s team. But mm-hmm. we were very much left to our devices, trying to sort out our line-out calls. And um, my cousin, actually, who's um, half Maltese, has has the, has the surname Mintoff. So he was always known as Mint. Um, and so we thought, well, why don't we use secret names that are from some form of kind of vegetable background? And, and at the time being, <laughs> well, I said at the time, being a portly young fellow, which I probably still am in most people's eyes, um, but with, with no facial hair and a, a pretty sharp crew cut, I very much looked like a lovely round butter bean. <laughs> and that's been shortened to bean then. Yeah, I was going to say, who, what other nicknames did you have in that team? What other vegetables? Uh, do you know what? None of them stuck apart from beans, so I, I barely remember. Um, <laughs> it was just one of those, as I'm, as we, as we kind of alluded to, onion. You know, it's one of those yeah. where it just, it just doesn't go away. Yeah, I have a similar sort of story with that because Onion was because the coaches couldn't say Iron, um, and and that's how I got that nickname. But I, I've developed it to say there's many layers to me, and I'll make you cry. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> so it depends on the audience at the time. Yeah. So uh, I mean, so we know this is this is a rugby uh, podcast, and we're recording this a day after. Well, there was apparently there was a game on the t- TV. I thought all rugby had stopped at the moment, but it appears that there was a game in Cardiff yesterday where a few questionable questionable decisions were made. I mean, I'm not did sure you, what did, you're talking about? You did, yeah, you, you didn't see the game either, no? Uh, what, can we call it a game? Is that <laughs> is that a fair assessment? <laughs> Well, I think it was, wasn't it? I mean, it wasn't much crowd noise. I mean, normally you'd expect a bit more if it was in Cardiff there, but uh, 
But yeah, there was, I mean, I mean, a couple of those questionable decisions. I mean, how did Owen Farrell stay out of the Simbin? And, and how did the Toji stay out of the Simbin? I mean, well, well, <laughs> the thing is, and I, unfortunately, I totally agree with you on, on those points. And, um, and, and I actually spoke to, so there's a, I've got a work colleague who does a little bit of a sort of a score take before the game. And, you know, he's in his fifties, so he enjoys that kind of thing and just wants to kind of know about oh, what do you think is going to happen? And I, and I unfortunately said, I think I believed Wales would win. I, mm. I think they're in a better position currently than England as, as a team. Um, but all I can say is that I'm glad I'm glad it wasn't closer um, than the actual end and scoreline because I, I think it would have massively taken away from what Wales did. Um, you know, if it had been within a couple of points, I think it would have been even more hugely controversial. But um, I think Wales comprehensively last sort of 15, 20 minutes just absolutely played the game and, and deserved the win. Um but those those decisions, I just, you know, Martin Johnson sat on the on the the panel of the BBC, not able to kind of. He could hardly sit down, could he? He was he was not happy, was it? Not happy at all. He was right with Owen, wasn't he? He was right with Owen Farrell then. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he, he, he would have been saying exactly the same things, if not worse. There we go. <laughs> yeah, they weren't mic'd up back in his day, so I would think it would have been slightly uh, stronger language. Yeah, <laughs> but so, I, I'm totally, yeah, I'm totally with, I'm totally with with Martin Johnson and Owen Farrell. You you just can't do that as a referee. You just can't disadvantage the other team. You just can't do it, and that's what he did for the for the first try. Good catch, though, wasn't it? Good kick. <laughs> oh, phenomenal play by Wales, and you know. Dan, Dan Bigger, he's got one of the best kit boots in, in the game, you know, and it was incredibly intelligent play. Um, and actually, quite coincidentally, going slightly off rugby for a moment, but I think this just kind of demonstrates what we're looking for in, in sport. I don't know if you saw the, the, I think it was the Brighton, the Brighton game. I can't remember who they were playing yesterday. Brighton West Brom. Someone messaged me about it earlier and said it, they thought it was the same referee. Uh, yeah, yeah, West Brom Brighton. Was yeah, he re- related yeah. to Lee Mason, who refereed the West Brom Brighton game? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so there's a free there's a free kick outside the box. Lewis Dunks asked the referee, "Can I play?" The referee's had a look at the team. He's got confused by a player standing on the post as for near the post as the goalkeeper. He said, "Yeah, go ahead." And a simple kick into the corner because the keeper's lining up his wall. So he, he realises this before the ball goes over the line, blows his whistle, goes to the TMO. It's ruled out as basically unfair because the players weren't in the correct position. Mm-hmm. And you just think, you look at that and you think, well, that goal's been disallowed for whatever farce you know it was, allowed, disallowed, then whatever. But the, the, the sort of morality point is that the players weren't ready. And if you're going to play a fair point, then go ahead. I mean, I've seen those goals given in football, which yeah. I still think is a bit unfair. And and I think, I think the biggest point for me on the game yesterday was the fact that it was at the referee's request that they went, that Farrell got the players together. Not yeah. 
not the other way around. It wasn't him saying, can I have a chat with my team? It was at the referee's request. Uh, uh, I, as a Welshman, I, then, go on. What's the yeah. <laughs> I, I thought both of those tries were, were fortuitous. Um, <laughs> but you take them, don't you? I mean, oh, you, get, you, you, you just say, yeah, well, fine. If, if he's going to allow that, he's going to allow it. And uh, um, I, I think uh, I think the undertone of it was Owen had upset him. And, uh, uh, and so... He just wasn't on his side, and so anything anything he would have done, um, he would have got against it. I just think it, it's it just it, the, the thing with me, and uh, a lot of people know that I give people a lot of stick when Wales win, and I get an awful lot of stick when they lose, uh, and I don't mind that at all. I think it's, I think it's all fun and games. But uh, uh, you, you look at sort of Wales; they've got four professional teams, and Scotland have got two, and Ireland have got four, and you know England they've got what twelve plus Saracens and. Was it the other, one? or maybe Ealing Trailfinders? Who, who knows um, next year? Yeah. But um, yeah. uh, but uh, um, they've got so much depth. I mean, you take out the first choice for uh, certainly Scotland and Wales, and and there's no depth. There's, there's no mm. depth, and England have all of that depth. And uh, England put together some fantastic attacks yesterday, and but they should be able to do this constantly, and they they should have the depth to to be able to win these games easily um, regardless of who's playing because there's so many good players in the England squad that are on the bench or, uh, or that and even in the game yesterday I think they were saying well, well we, think, we think the bench is stronger for England and then you get some of the Welsh guys come off the bench and do what they did and I was like well there you go you've raced your game you're playing at your top top, top yeah. level there so good on you but uh, yeah, yeah I completely agree and do you know what I was, I was going to say is that actually you know we can look at we can look at the, the bad decisions and I think I think 95% of people with rugby experience and a, and a fair outlook would say those two tries were dubious. But at the end of the day, they were given. For me, there's a bigger issue um, within the, the England camp. Um, and, you know, it, it's all very well saying, you know, the penalty count, you know, 14 penalties in a game, you know... <laughs> It's a, look for, it's a lot. It's a lot. And, and you know, it's very quick and easy for Eddie Jones to say, oh, well, they're just trying too hard. And, well, I disagree um, because they're, they're stupid penalties. They're mm-hmm. not They're not from, from trying too hard. It's, you you know, as well as I do, you can't jump across a line out, you know, and <laughs> we, we, why do that in their sort of, 50, you know, within yeah, their 22, but- 15 metres out? And, and for it's, me, it's about yeah. the fact that we've got three quarters of our team that aren't playing rugby at the moment. They're not. Yeah. They've got any Saracens player has not played club rugby mm. for God knows how long. Um, yeah. And you do get out of out of rhythm, you know, and yeah. and you're expected to come and perform at the highest level. And I, I don't get me wrong, they're absolutely world class players, and the players for Saracens, you know, probably got us to the World Cup final. You know, because they were playing week in, week out. They were winning, you know, the Premiership. They were winning the Heineken Cup. They were absolutely phenomenal athletes. But you think, what did they do last weekend? They sat there and did nothing. <laughs> well, I don't think that's. I don't think they would have sat there around and done nothing. They would have. They would have been training in no. some way, shape, way, shape or form. I, but uh, um, I'll take the win. And uh, oh, yeah. I'm very pleased with the way that it went 
for, from a Welsh point of view. I'd be gutted if it was if I was an England fan and just as frustrated with the team. And I mean, I I don't know if you know the guy uh, Steve Pope who did a little bit of coaching with us a few years ago. To sort of when the Tower of Power sort of came in, played a couple of games for our first team, and they uh, as coached in and played all over the place. Um, uh, he uh, at the beginning of the tournament on the England Wales game, we made a bet, and I was like, oh, "Well, I'm not going to give you a bottle of wine, j- just exchange a bottle of wine on the uh, on the result because I think Wales aren't where England are at the moment. So I'll give you uh, t- two to one. I said, if if Wales win, you owe me two bottles, and if England win, I I'll give you a bottle. So <laughs> so I, <laughs> I think that's the best the best deal. <laughs> Uh, yeah, <laughs> best bet I've made. Although Lee Harron did bet me, or did want to bet me as well. And I was like, no, I'm not giving away that much. <laughs> so I didn't expect to win, but I'm pleased that, that that's come up. Uh, now you talked to Ben about there's a guy at work that you uh, that, that you give a heads up on uh, talking rugby and, and and stuff like that. Um, yeah. What is it you do for a living? So I've recently changed. Um, so I now work in the defence industry as kind of an operations manager, um, looking after kind of the after sales process. Mm-hmm. Um, so we make surveillance um, and thermal imaging cameras. So it's a little bit different. Um, so and anything that kind of needs to be done after the salesman's done his job, that's where I come in. So I, I, have, I have a background in sales, recruitment, and customer service and um fortuitously um in the well unfortuitously to begin with in the last lockdown um i was supposed to start a new job the day of the first national lockdown okay um, so that got taken away from me um so i started in a sort of temporary capacity with this organization actually building their products because they they still had a need they they produced um temperature detection units so from coronavirus pandemic times that's a pretty useful product to have um and so i started on the assembly line but after getting to know kind of the directors and the senior management team i was i was offered that that role with them so i've been in doing that role since sort of july time um Mm -hmm. which is absolutely fascinating and that's been keeping you busy then through the 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 lockdown period you've been working all the time yeah yeah i've been in the office every day um since may um when i was on the assembly line so i was yeah very much um yeah i I, well i think i've worked from home two days um one of those was uh, i had a cough so i had a test and found out that i was negative so had a day working from home and Mm -hmm. the other one was was to try it out and see how i got on but um because because my role is very hands-on um it's just not possible really to do from home um so well it is possible but just not as effective so yeah i've been in the office every day um seeing people which has probably kept me sane if i'm honest with you yeah yeah so so uh when you when you do go home uh what's your what's your family life look like i, I don't really know a lot about you so uh, from that side of things so, <laughs> so right. who, who's who's uh who's close to you so i've recently actually just bought our new home um over in a place called molehill green near takeley um okay. so my wife and i um so i got married oh, I, did, july. I, I didn't even know you were married well, congratulations uh, thank it, you very just, much just, just july this year or last year last year 2019 oh, oh, oh no two, nearly two oh. years ago go on. okay go there we go i thought we had a lockdown wedding then blimey so I, i'm not paying attention 
So, oh, there we go. So I've lost track of the years. <laughs> yeah, no, indeed. <laughs> we, a few of us have, including me. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, so, yeah, it's my, my wife and I have just bought our... Well, it's our second home because we, we lived in Harlow for a little while. Um, but we've, uh, yeah, moved out this way. Big, bigger garden, more countryfied. Um, you know, probably looking to, to start family up in the next couple of years. Um but yeah, other than that, I've obviously got quite a normal family unit outside. But um, yeah, it, uh, lockdown has massively affected the amount, obviously, that I've seen these guys. Um, um, you know, it's it's just a bit rubbish at the moment, isn't it, with mm-hmm. family? Because you're just not allowed to, to see them, really. Yeah, no, indeed, indeed. So um, your rugby career, um, you, you mentioned you started uh, when you joined the club at 14, 15. Um, yeah, exactly. Tell us about your, your little journey and uh, um, how rugby's developed for you. So I, <laughs> believe it or not, and those of you who, who know what I look like would probably will get a little laugh out of this. I used to play tennis um, <laughs> on, a, on a weekday evening um, for a club in, down Latin, I think it's Latin, is it Latin Green Tennis Club? Um uh-huh. But I, was, I used to play rugby at school and absolutely loved it, but never really had any kind of influence at the school to to go to the to any clubs or anything like that. I was completely unaware. My family are not sports orientated whatsoever. Um, so there was no sort of drive and push to get myself, my sister or my cousin, who I mentioned earlier, who's exactly the same age as me, into any kind of sport. It was just very much, uh, oh, well, if you want to play tennis, like let's play some tennis. And, and then one day we had... Um, we had a tournament down at the club. Um, I think it was Kev Ellis, for those of you who may know mm-hmm. him, um, who was involved in the school setup back then, who um, kind of come and had a chat with a few of the boys from from the St. Mark's team, which is the school I went to, and said, oh, look, we're, we're trying to put together a team. Why don't you come down, have a look? And at the time, I was completely disinterested. <laughs> I just thought, <laughs> no, I'm all right, thanks. Um, but my good friend at the time who unfortunately I don't really talk too much to talk too much to anymore um was very keen so he sort of dragged sort of a few of the lads down from St Mark's and you know that's where we started this team and as I said at the beginning of the the podcast I think we used to get about 11 12 13 players most most nights um and I think that was when I think Stu Wilkins was was looking after us at the time and then Simon Van Beck and, you know, all sort of some big names down at the club that people will know. Um, and we were awful. Um, <laughs> we were so poor. Um, I think our first I think our first season, we won maybe two games, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it it was just such a good, a good laugh that you just kept going. Um, and, you know, you kind of... It was one of those weird ones where you look back and you think, well, hang on, why did you keep playing when you weren't winning? And it was just one of those, well, you still enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was it was still worth it. And, yeah, I stayed up with the club um, until I was about 18, 19, I think. Um, did make my first team debut um, with the club, but subsequently moved on to Hartford and, if anybody would like to know this story, you have to buy me a beer first and we'll <laughs> talk about it another time. Um, but yeah, I moved on to Hartford because I knew um, a couple of the guys there who were slightly older doing advanced courses at the University of Hertfordshire, which is where I also then started playing rugby at university. Um, 
So I, I went down to, to Hartford having kind of no real idea that the, the standard that I was trying to play to just with the thought of, oh, well, you know, I like rugby. Um, so I'll, I'll go and play. Um, and then, yeah, lo and behold, kind of broke my way into the, the Hartford first team as well. Um, had a number of good years there. Um, it's a, uh, you know, it's, I'm not going to kind of tell any lies. It's a fantastic club with some great people. I'm not going to, kind of mm-hmm. yep. uh, whitewash that or whatever you want to call it um and then subsequently about three or four years ago um had an interesting patch where um i started getting what i believe is quite is called is vertigo um but quite uh, lots of sort of dizziness and and kind of nausea um mm-hmm. for, for no explained reason so i took a bit of time out of rugby um and went back to Hartford, but these kind of dizzy spells kept happening. So I took a bit of time out um, again. And that's when when Michael Weston dropped me a line and, and asked me what I was up to. Um, mm-hmm. He offered me kind of a, a, a more of an interesting role where I'd be not only playing, but more involved in the coaching setup. And, and I think uh, at the time, not necessarily a very senior role, more of kind of a, an advisory role um, or just a can I pick your brains about this role. Mm-hmm. But um, it's very much something that I'm conscious of is that your rugby career is quite fleeting um, as a player. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to be involved in rugby long term. So having the opportunity to get a little bit of coaching um, was kind of a no brainer, really. So, uh, did you come in as a player coach then at that point, or was it not play- really? It was yeah. it was it was come as a player, but because because Westy was forwards coach at the time, mm. but he wanted me to to kind of be a liaison for the front row, as he is as uh, for those of know him, mm-hmm. an out on out back row. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Um, so, Some people so say very... that keeps his nose in front, but there we go. That's a terrible joke. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, it doesn't take a lot to keep his nose in front. Yeah, no, it? no. Um, <laughs> um, so yeah, so it was more of a look, come in, have have a, an influence on the front row, um, see what you can do, uh, and come and have and have a laugh playing. Because at, at the time, I think he was also planning to play as well. Um, Obviously, injuries with with him have not permitted that. Um, but it, it, yeah, it was it was just more of an interesting aspect. I was I was in Harlow at the time. I was working in London, so um, you know it was it was an easier move for me as well to kind of be able to get back to the train station and then a sort of short journey to the club. Mm-hmm. Um, not quite not as short as it used to be. That would have been ideal. But <laughs> <laughs> oh yes. Um, yeah, it, I, remember, I remember getting off the bus from university at, opposite the train station and walking up to walking up to the club. That was that was quite mm-hmm. handy. But um, yeah, so it was, it was just more of an interesting kind of prospect than just being a player, as it were. Yeah, yeah, Andrew. Okay, um, uh, I, I, I understood. It's interesting how we, people uh, sort of fall into clubs, fall into roles in clubs, and uh, and that sort of thing. So, mm. I mean, I guess. Uh, so, for people that don't know, do you spend most of your time playing at hooker or a uh, prop? I've tried to transition away from prop because um, mm. I enjoy playing hooker. Um, and this, <laughs> I'll give you the 
the honest truth. You have to push less at hooker, um, <laughs> which which means that you get to save a bit of energy for more of the open play stuff, which is very much what I enjoy. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not what you. I'm not an old school front row who, you know, loves the intricacy of a scrum and the uh, and you know wants to just talk about angles for an hour. I I enjoy I enjoy the physical kind of carrying open game side of rugby um don't get me wrong scrums are hugely important and they need to be won but there's a very simple way i believe of, of making sure that you can win a scrum and, and play the game um if if that makes sense mm-hmm. yeah and so, yeah that that yeah it's gone sorry i was gonna say you see what what are your i mean you, you touched on you like you like to get forged into open play in the way that you play um what what are the things that that you really focus on with our forwards at the moment? Well, if we were doing full training and stuff <laughs> yeah. like that, what's in the, what's in the plan and stuff like that? Yeah. So ironically, and very much the opposite to my previous answer, <laughs> it's actually getting the scrum and line out moves right. Um, mm. So, and, and, you know, I think there's a lot to, to be worked on um, with the guys in, in making sure that kind of tight eight is, is tight and functional um, because again ironically we've got some fantastic open play ball carriers that you know there's, there's not really too much to work on in terms of them getting around the pitch it's just we need to solidify that um base to play from mm-hmm. um and you know we, we we were getting there very much so in the last season we our scrum was incredibly dominant um and our line out was was very functional um mm-hmm. And so the plan was to to then take things to the next level, looking at plays off the off off the scrum. You know, how many numbers into each ruck? How many can we? What's the minimum we could commit to make sure we secure ball for the next the next move? Um, and then coronavirus <laughs> hampered it all. Yeah, yeah, yeah indeed. So, um, as, uh, when was the last time you played? Have you? retired now or from, from playing and just coaching or what, what's no, on your so radar? The, the last time I played and I can tell you this is the 5th of October 2019. How can you remember the date quite so clearly? Because that's the day I snapped my Achilles. Ah, ah, oh, okay. <laughs> How is that now? Um, it's, it's good. Um, if I was to say, if I never wanted to play rugby again, I would never I wouldn't even have to worry about it I wouldn't need to focus on it um you know I wake up in the morning it's absolutely fine I'm I can walk run sprint whatever you like um but because I want to come back and play and I want to have an influence and and be you know the player I believe I can be I'm still working on the 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 strength of it um Mm. so I would say my so it's my right Achilles so um my right Achilles is probably around about 90% strength at the moment um, compared to my left. But whether I'll get 100% strength back is is debatable. Um, but it's going to take some work. So to kind of put it into perspective, my, my right calf is about half an inch to an inch smaller than my left calf. Yeah. Okay. Well, so... You have ambitions to play uh, again at, uh, at some point, and I mean, 
for you mentioned that the the rugby career can be terribly short and stuff like that. And I've always said to everyone, "Is play as long as you can because you're a long time retired." And yes. it, it for me, I stopped at 39. My goal was to get to 40 and uh, still be playing, but I had to stop at 39. My back gave up. But uh, uh, I have to say that once you've stopped playing, it, it is. It's horrible. It's horrible, really. There's nothing that really replaces that, and uh, you, you, yeah. you can't. Yeah, I mean, I've had a few runouts and stuff like that for a few, <laughs> a few teams and stuff like. That. I actually hurt my Achilles quite badly. Uh, not to the degree I think you've done yours, but still, I was hobbling around and uh, yeah. getting on and off airplanes. And my job was, I'd, I'd get up and it, like my foot stopped working. Ah, I need to get some, something moving in it again to get it going again. <laughs> but uh, but there's nothing like it. There's absolutely nothing like it. And um, mm. uh, uh, yeah, I just encourage people to do it, and uh, probably to my own. Uh, detriment because there, there are bits of me that don't work anymore but, uh, but there we go <laughs> yeah that, that's the thing that uh, I, you know I'm still what some people refer to as, as young so mm-hmm. um, I'm still 29 so I, I, I'm hopeful that I've got a few years left um, my, my only stipulation would be I think and this is just me, nothing to do with anybody else, I would get frustrated if I wasn't able to perform at the level I was happy with. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. So I, as long as I feel that I'm performing to the best of my ability, I'll play. Mm. No, good, good, good for that, you. That's down to, that's down to me, isn't it? To, to keep yep. fit and <laughs> lose some weight. <laughs> <laughs> well, once, 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 you, once you're playing rugby, I think it's easier to do it. Um, there's a there's a motivation to do to do that sort of stuff. When you're not playing rugby, then that motivation sort of goes away. Also, certainly I find anyway. But uh, no, couldn't agree anymore. Yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, tell tell me about some of the your, your off the field activities, uh, your best away game or uh, the best tour you've been on. There's there's a few. Um, there, there, I, I must admit, I'm a. <laughs> You speak to me in, in everyday life and I'm a very eloquent, I'd like to say, <laughs> educated young man who can hold a very good conversation. Um, but I do love getting absolutely silly on a tour um, mm-hmm. and turning into a bit of a beer monster. Um, and, you know, there was a, an event last season down at the club where I think a lot of the boys didn't really know that side of me. And, you know, getting, getting <laughs> having a few beers and getting a bit, friendly um and you know there was lots of conversation about it and, and the guys that did know me like luke bowering were just like yeah that that's that's been you know mm-hmm. that's the real bean <laughs> yeah um so I, I think some of the ones some of the ones when i when i was younger um you know like going to amsterdam <laughs> with, <laughs> with the lads that was a pretty that was a pretty special one um was that a harlow tour or was that yeah tour. yeah that, oh, that, okay. that was a harlow tour um that was good because that you know i think i was 17 at the time and that's where your kind of eyes are being open to the world of, of drinking really aren't they mm-hmm. um and in, in an absolutely sensible way no way you know we weren't getting out of control or drunk at all at 17 because that would be illegal um <laughs> <laughs> and uh <laughs> um I think that that was a, a fantastic one. We had a day out where um, I got very, very drunk. Um, 
legally this time uh, at a Saracens game and we were all dressed as in fancy dress. Um, you know, I think I was part of the Fantastic Four dress up, so I was shirtless <laughs> as the thing. Um, and again, that's not very PC, the result of that, and quite embarrassing for me. So if anybody else would like to hear details, then <laughs> find me after a game somewhere and we'll have a chat. Um, yeah. And then the university tours that we went on are probably stand out for me. Um, and the reason being is because it wasn't it wasn't a rugby tour. It was a sports tour. Mm-hmm. So you would take a coach to Salou in France um, so you've got a 24-hour coach journey, which is literally 24 hours of drinking. Um, <laughs> and not only is it the rugby team, it's the football team, which they kept to themselves because obviously football's rubbish. Um, but you've also got the netball team, the cheerleading team, the hockey team. So it's a, a you know, both gender tour, um, which makes things much more interesting. Um <laughs> And then you arrive in Salou, where there's another 20 universities that have brought eight teams of mixed gender. And it's just an unbelievable kind of experience where it's like a massive lads holiday, but with, you know, a thousand people. Uh (laughs) Yeah. Um, And if anybody's not a university and wants to go, they usually happen in around about April. Um, they're in Salou and in France, this, uh, I think, at the moment. So get on one, take the lads <laughs> with you or the girls with you and go because they're just a next level of debauchery and, and drinking. <laughs> sounds, sounds an awful lot of fun. Now, yes. So when you were at university, um, you lived with, was it Lewis Alderman you were living with at the time? Yes, because no, uh, I think and, and some people they cast their minds back will remember that I used to live with Paul Prenderville and a couple of other guys and we in our house we had a bar and mm. in that bar that, that bar after we all sort of didn't live together anymore and, and we all went our separate ways and, and that sort of thing we had this bar left and uh, we didn't know, really know what to do with it and so we gave it to you guys didn't we and um, we did to, uh, and we put some uh, uh, like labels on it to say that we had it and this is where we lived and stuff. Do you know where that bar is? Is it, is it still in existence? It is. It's actually with Lewis's uncle in his bar in Harlow, I believe. So it is still functioning. It's still in existence. <laughs> it's, it's still got the plaque on it. Um, Excellent. Because we very much lucked out with our university house. Um so it was myself, Lewis, and another gentleman named Simon. Um, and we discovered upon kind of just quickly signing up to our uni house, thinking, God, we need to find somewhere to live, uh, yeah. that our, our house came with a garage at the bottom of the garden, um, which we had total access to. And this garage is probably 30 foot long, sort of 15, 20 foot wide. Which... Big, big old garage, eh? Blimey. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and we converted it to a full bar 
Um, <laughs> so the, the wooden bar was in the corner with the optics um, and the kind of glasses and stock. And we just went to, we went on another level um, and just bought absolutely ridiculous things for a university bar. We, we carpeted it. We, we, <laughs> we, we were, we were hanging, you know, Saracens, England and, and unfortunately Irish flags. We had, um, you know, the old chalkboard with uh-huh. no, no, um, what was it? We put something like no, no shorts, no shoes, no top, no service, um, <laughs> ex- ex- excluding women and being. Um, <laughs> Brilliant. Um, Brilliant. So it, I think we had, what did we, we had a bed in there as well. So if if any if we got too much of someone, they could you know just pass out where they wanted. It was uh, unbelievable. Um, and so our our, our house. Not, not being the biggest house at university, but because it was three rugby lads and had a bar, it just became the, the kind of epicenter of all nights out. Um, so every single player that felt the need to and their friends and any of the, the other teams that wanted to came to our house on a Wednesday. And, and it was, you know, turn up with your own drink and do what you want. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. Uh, and that, and, and, you know, the bar was an absolute fantastic addition um, because it just made everything look official. Fantastic. I'm so pleased to hear that. And uh, uh, if you've got any photos, I'd love to see the, the, the photo, any photos you've got of that. That would be fantastic. Uh, but, I need uh, to dig them up because they are yeah. on my Facebook somewhere and I keep oh, having this conversation, but I will dig uh. them up and I'll send them over. Oh, fantastic. Oh, that, that, that pleases me no end because we, 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 have, <laughs> we acquired that bar from... Uh, one of our friends' dads, and uh, and he said, take good care of it. And so uh, there'll be a few of us that would that just love to know it's still around and providing joy to people. Um, Absolutely. We, 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 didn't, we didn't have flags. Well, sometimes we did have flags up, but the, the bit we had behind the bar was um, the spice wall of, full of all the Spice Girls. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so I'm showing my age now, aren't I? There we go. The, uh, the hours of argument we'd have about put the Spice Girls in order. And, uh, <laughs> and we spent hours looking at that. That's back in the day. We only had four channels on the telly. So, I mean, no, I really am showing my age. <laughs> I, I, I remember the launcher channel five. Don't worry. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, dear. No, I'm really pleased. That, that's that, that's still out there. So I'd like um, to get it back one day, but I, I, I don't know where it would go at the moment. But one day, I'd, I'd like to get it back. Yeah, stick another plaque on it, and so, so it carry, carries yeah. on its journey somewhere else. Yeah, yeah. fantastic. Um, okay, um, well, where was I? Oh, uh, there we go. Um, just a um, couple of things. I mean, as we sort of start to uh, look to, towards the future, I mean. At the moment, I guess we, we, we might be able to do something after the 29th of uh, March. Um, anything sort of firmed up there at the moment? Um, not as of yet. I think, I think we're, we're quite cautious with, mm-hmm. with making promises and getting players, you know, to, to commit to things when realistically we're, we're completely out of control of it. Um, I'll be honest as well. Westy handles most of that sort of mm-hmm. stuff. <laughs> but he just yeah, points and pushes you. He tells you what to yeah. do when. Yeah, fair <laughs> enough. But I think you know, from my point of view, and I don't know, Westy might shoot me for saying it. Um, I think we did a lot last year um, where we thought we were coming back, and 
we didn't and I, and I and I do question whether that has affected some people's motivation mm-hmm. to, to come back you know with the thought of well hang on a minute we're not going to play so you know we did the, we did all of this last time we're going to go for all it again all of it again and not play so I, I, I just think we may be waiting for firmer evidence mm-hmm. and, and more confirmation because it is time consuming, you know, as well as everyone else, you know, training twice a week, playing most Saturdays, it, it it's a commitment. Um, mm. And you've got to, you've got to have a reason for that. And, you know, last sort of first lockdown, we had great commitment. People were on zoom um, trainings, doing training sessions. We got, you know, when the club, we were allowed to meet up We had you know, good numbers, you mm. know, 30 people down to training, but the, the, the desired outcome never came um and then we obviously had to take a break and then when we sort of came back again numbers started to dwindle and then when the things started to look more promising they raised and then again dwindled mm-hmm. went, went away and i yeah. was I, I was hugely excited about this potential new format um which they wanted us to do before this lockdown which was you know getting rid of scrums and malls um, because, you know, I thought that's a really good chance for us to develop our gameplay, um, not just our, you know, our scrums and lineouts, if that makes sense. And mm-hmm. we started doing full contact again, which I absolutely loved. Uh, <laughs> yep. um, and then it was taken away from us again. So I think, you know, it, it's one of those where, the motivation has to be for an outcome. Um, so I think we are waiting for a little bit more confirmation on, on what the, the plan is. But lo and behold, Westy could, you know, send a message round later today and say this is the plan. But um, at the moment, we're, we're kind of, I think, just waiting for more news. Sure, sure. Okay. So, uh, I mean, that, that kind of leads me on to what are you looking forward to at the moment? As a coach or just as a player? Well, let's do both. So, as a coach, I'm looking forward to getting, you know, the, the team back together um, because the, the first team lads had other commitments, you know, work and such. Mm-hmm. So, there were quite a few missing, um, especially towards the end of the, or before the start of this lockdown um, because, you know, as I said, they've got other commitments. So I'm massively looking forward to getting the team back together and being able to really look at, um, you know, gameplay, mm-hmm. actual moves, actual performance. Um, as a player, I- I'm looking forward to some bosh. Um, <laughs> you know, I, w- <laughs> I, w- yeah. I, w- I want to be able to play physical, a physical sport again. You know, that's why I play mm-hmm. rugby. Um, yeah. You know, and for so long it was touch, and for so long it was tag, and and that's what I'm looking forward to is is playing what I call rugby, not a form of rugby, but rugby. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And uh, was it, what what makes you proud about our club at the moment, and uh, uh, and what are you enjoying about being back at Harlow? I think it's a little bit of the element of being the underdog, um, I think, you know, we, we've always been, I suppose, looked down upon. 
<laughs> I don't know if you agree with that sentiment, but um, you know the clubs that we played against, always like, oh, it's Harlow, uh, uh, uh. and it, you know, being, I think we well, we were top of the league for the majority yeah. of the second half of last season. It's and very it's unlucky, being, and very unlucky not to get that promotion thing as well. So. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> no, no, I'm sure you don't. Yeah, I know it's such a... Anyway, the mathematicians. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. But there's no real such thing as maths in sport, apart from money. <laughs> but, you know, there we go. Um, it, I think it, it, I'm just proud of the effort that the guys put in and their desire and their will to win um, when, when we're playing. And mm-hmm. I don't think you can... I would say for 99% of the team, you just can't fault their commitment. Um, and, you know, it it's very different for me coming from, uh, you know, a, a club such as Hartford where you've got, you know, three people that can kind of step in and, and fulfil that spot because there's six teams down there and, and, and you know, everyone is vying for that that shirt. <laughs> Whereas, you know... It, there's there's not we haven't got the same reach as a club like that and you know you've got to you know if if four if say four or five of our first team decided they didn't want to play you know we'd be in a very different spot so it's it's that commitment to to the cause and I suppose the sacrifice that some of these guys make you know some of these guys have got family jobs that are, are, are different hours and they're doing everything that they can to 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 get down and play and that I, I, to me is is more admirable, and and you forget like this is all for free. You know, no one's paying these guys. Mm-hmm. This is all just out of their love for the game, and I think that's more important. Yeah. Well, being on that note, I think that's a great note to, to to finish our call today. But thank you very much for your time, and thank you very much for uh, uh, being available on a Sunday morning to have this <laughs> conversation. Uh, and I, I can let you. Uh, well, the, 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 everyone else. Uh, won't be able to see <laughs> anything and, and we normally do this on video but this one's not on video uh, and, uh, and we only put out the, the audio recording anyway so i'll let you get back to your <laughs> back to your rest of your sunday uh, and thank you very uh, much. Uh, leave it to it but very nice to talk to you today thank you very much it's been a pleasure thanks for your time thank you thank you for listening to the house of rams podcast we hope you've enjoyed it and found it interesting we'd love to hear your feedback so please get in touch through facebook or email me direct with your thoughts If you'd like to appear on one of our podcasts or showcase what you're doing at the club, please email me on paulowenynan at gmail.com or contact me through Facebook. Watch out for our next release and thanks for listening.